this morning, uh, I'm going back to the Psalms and I'm going back with a special dedication to Mike Hudgens, uh, who has run sound. Mike and Linda have been in this class from the very beginning. And he's someone who's gotten me mic'd every week. He's someone who uh, uh, would make sure I've kept everything together to leave at the end of the day. He, Mark, you forgot your computer. You forgot your cell phone. He was all of these things uh, as recently as last Sunday. And so I've been in trial in Dallas for the last couple of months. And I got a text from Becky to call her as soon as I got out of court one day. And I called her. And found out both about Mike's heart attack one day and then about his passing the next day. And it um, uh, it jolted me. It did not jolt me because I have a lack of faith. It did not jolt me because I thought, why would a merciful, loving God let this happen? I can answer those questions. I lean confidently on the fact that we do have a loving God and that Mike's passing was not uh, an, an end. It's an absence that we will sorely feel. It's a genuine grief that we experience and we grieve with the Hudgens. But it's not the end of the world. It's the beginning of the next one. And so uh, uh, it's with some love for Mike that I have a chance to, to dedicate this class this morning. And I want us to spend some time looking at a few of the Psalms. Uh, it's also uh, an opportunity to share, and, and the court has very graciously given me off next Tuesday. In fact, he stopped all of court so that I could come back for the service for Mike. And I hope to see many of you all there Tuesday morning. Um, but anyway, with love to you, Mike, here we go. One of the psalm passages that I absolutely love that I'm just going to throw out here in the beginning. The law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul. There are times where my soul needs reviving. There are times when my soul is downcast. There are times when my soul seems dead within me. There are times when my soul is not tuned in to the world the way it should be. It's not tuned in to my family the way it should be. It's not tuned in to my, my uh, um, mission as it should be. And when we see this word soul... Don't go all mystic on me about, well, that's this certain part of... No, it's the Hebrew concept here is just how you're feeling, who you are, where you are. And when your soul needs reviving, when your soul needs recharging, needs refocused, needs energy, needs to thrive again, the psalmist says the perfect solution for that is the law of the Lord. The law in this sense, the Torah, not simply um, the commandments of the thou shalt and the thou shalt nots. This is not a, a plea for us 
to turn to the Ten Commandments and start reciting them when our soul needs to be revived. At the time this psalm is being written, the Torah is really all that there was of Scripture. Those were the books of Moses. They include Genesis, where you read about God providing for Abraham. They include the story of creation, where humanity... By the way, creation... Creation was not complete until God made until God made woman. Creation was not complete until God made woman. Hank, did you teach her to say man? I okay, I, I I'm just saying, Miss Carolyn, you should have nailed that one. Okay? The law was, I mean, creation was not complete until God made woman. This is not a man's world. This is a world for men and women to serve and to minister to God. But all of that's part of the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord is God calling His people out from Egypt because He had promised to do that 400 years earlier. The law of the Lord is stories of redemption. It's stories of healing. It's stories of nourishment. It's stories of security in the midst of fear. The law of the Lord includes Jacob fleeing from Esau because he tricked him out of his inheritance and the blessing of his dad. And so Jacob, who tricks his dad, flees and goes to get a wife, Rachel. And in the great cosmic karma of the Lord, he gets tricked by his father-in-law into taking Leah. This is the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord includes so many stories of God's redemptive hand, of God's healing, God's nourishment, and also of God taking tragedy and turning it upside down into victory. So when your soul needs reviving, spend some time in the Word of God. Read some of the stories of of, of God's hand among His people. And it will revive your soul. Next psalm. By the way, December 11th. If you enjoy these, these are all taken out of the devotional book I've written for you guys. Actually, primarily for my kids, but you guys secondarily. You're like my kids, except some of you are a little old for that. But Blake, I got one. Uh, you know, some of you are young enough. Blake, Miss Carolyn, some others. Um, here's one of my favorite psalms I pulled out for y'all. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom Shall I be afraid, though an army encamp against me? My heart shall not fear, though war arise against me. Yet I will be confident. David beat Goliath. 
What are you scared of? We've all got reasons to fear. Some are fake, but we don't realize it. Some are real. And the burden is heavy. When you're young, look, I remember fear. We grew up in a home where when we lived in Memphis, Tennessee, my mom took a job for a while to help make ends meet. She managed the Walden's bookstore. And as a result, we had a housekeeper who took care of us until mom or dad got home from work. We would leave school and we would come home. Her name was Mary. Mary was a marvelous lady. We really liked Mary. But we knew when we got out of school, we had to get home immediately. Because there was a TV show that came on in the afternoon. It was called Dark Shadows. Now those of you who are too young to know, Dark Shadows chronicled the life of Barnabas Collins, a vampire, who in true soap opera fashion was seeking to entrance and bite every young lady on the show. And Mary would not miss it, but she howled in fear the entire show. And so she would lock the door when the show started, and 30 minutes later when it was over, she would unlock the door. So Catherine and I had, uh, Holly wasn't born yet, Catherine and I had to hurry home from school to get in before the door got locked for Dark Shadows. Now, I'd love to tell you children are resilient. But I will also tell you that children get affected by such things. Because I do remember waking up one Saturday morning in my bed. And please understand, I was in first grade. But I have the Kodak moment memory of knowing I should not roll over and look at the other wall because there is a vampire looking at me. <laughs> and I was frozen in that bed thinking, what am I going to do? You get caught in their trance, you're in trouble. Some of our fears are not well-founded. But some of our fears are genuine. You're going in for surgery. You're facing life without your life mate. You've got struggles in relationships. You've got financial burdens. You've got burdens at work. You've got burdens within your family. You don't know what tomorrow brings. I don't know what tomorrow brings. And I think the biggest source of fear in our lives is the unknown that we have no control over. Now, I fear some things I have control over, but not nearly like those things I don't. There is nothing that our Lord does not have control over. He is the King of Kings. 
There's not a king that can... Okay, I'm sorry. It just pun came to me. There's not a king or a president who can trump our Lord. He is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. And that doesn't mean everything works out well. And that doesn't mean he doesn't cry when Lazarus is dead, even though he knows he's going to resurrect him because he's a compassionate father and a compassionate king and a compassionate Lord. But there is nothing outside of his control. And he is my light. And He is my salvation. So who am I going to fear? I fear things outside of my control, but when God is my salvation, I'm not my salvation. I don't save myself from anything. The Lord's Prayer, I was speaking last Saturday in Nashville. The Lord's Prayer has got a profound last phrase. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, or the evil one is another way to translate it. Now you think about that. God is not a God of temptation. Is God going to truly lead us? Do we fear, oh my, if I don't pray that, God might lead me to the evil one. I better pray. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Otherwise, he might lead me to the evil. No. God's not going to to lead you to the evil one. That's not what he does. That prayer is there to recognize something. When we successfully walk in his light, when we walk in victory over evil, when we walk in victory over the evil one, when we walk in his light and we win over temptation, it is only because he has won that through us. He gets that credit. He is my salvation. He is my light. He's the stronghold of my life. So I don't fear an army. My heart's not in fear. I don't fear the war. Doesn't mean they won't come. But it means I can be confident in the Lord. In spite of what I'm afraid of today. You with me? Next. Psalm 27, 4, one thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. This passage resonates in my heart with a a, a vibration that is soothing that is calming, that draws forth a deep sense of wellness, as in, it is well with my soul. 
one thing, if you could have one wish from God, turn him into a genie for one minute. And you're not allowed to ask for anyone else. You're only allowed to ask for you. And it needs to be something real in this world. What do you want? Do you want a Tesla? It's not bad. Do you want a fat bank account? Do you want out from under the burdens of life? Let me throw out an option for you. Seek to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of your life. Now back then that was the temple. But Paul says the temple of God is now in us because his Holy Spirit dwells in us. To dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of our life doesn't mean to go to a building that's been sanctified. You are the building being sanctified by God. It means to commune with the Lord your God in your heart and in your soul and in your mind. It means every day of your life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to inquire of God. It means to dwell securely knowing who dwells within you. And let that transform your life. Let the waves roll over all of the different shores that you bring to the Lord. Let it sculpt and mold who you are. Don't ever look at this as go to church seven days a week. Look at this as live constantly aware of the presence of God in your life. And then as Paul says, don't quench the spirit. Don't keep him tamped down. Don't relegate God to a certain aspect of your mind. Let him wash over you. Let him transform who you are, what you want, what you want to see. Where you want to go. How you want to treat people. Let him radicalize you. Let him turn Jesus into what you talk about. Let people see you not as an angry person, but as a gentle person. Because God's spirit will grow in you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Gentleness, self-control. And that fruit as it grows within us will roll out from us to other people. And we will understand God better. We will seek Him. That's what we want. One thing I would ask of the Lord. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire of in His temple. Next, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. I hate to wait. 
I could probably write a poem, but it might be too late. I could get Becky's help. She is my helpmate. But alas, it's not to be that just isn't my fate. I'm sorry, I'm just winging it up here, okay? I didn't plan that one. But I hate to wait. I don't like it. It's the reason I've probably cut at least half of you off on the roads. And I'd like to apologize publicly. I live in the generation that made fast food restaurants prolific. Because I like it. I have the Chick-fil-A app on my phone. So my order is waiting for me when I get there. As I wave at everybody waiting in line. I would love to think that I worship a God who is a snap your fingers, Mark's timing is God's timing God. But I don't. I worship a God who has his own timing. I worship a God who says, I'm going to teach you. I worship a God who says, even Jesus spent time in the wilderness. Jesus didn't walk out in the wilderness and Satan jump up and say, okay, let's have it. He had to wait. We worship a God who's got this massive plan to bring this world to its fullness. And there are pieces on the chessboard that have to be moved. And sometimes pieces have to sit on the chessboard until it's their time to move. And I don't need to be the fidgety chess piece who's kind of like moving around just trying to get himself moved on the board. There is a right order for things. It's not ready, fire, aim. It's ready, aim, fire. There's a right order and God's got the plan. We don't. So we can take courage in whatever we're going through, knowing that weeping may last for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. May not be tomorrow morning. May not be for a week, may not be for a month, may not be for a year. We may, because of God's chess game, and it's not a game, but God's puzzle that he's, he's solving. It's not puzzling to him, bad analogies, but we may be counted worthy to suffer for the good of his kingdom. And that's not a tragedy, that's an honor. So we wait patiently for the Lord, we take courage, we are strong in Him, and we know that what He has will come. Why? Help. I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know, I need someone. Help. By the way, that's them doing those uh, signs for help, H-E-L-P, if you need to learn it. Turn to me and be gracious to me. God, I'm lonely. I'm afflicted. 
The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Help. I need somebody. Are you lonely? He is a real companion. Are you afflicted? He's the healer of your soul. Are the troubles of your heart enlarged? He holds your heart in his hand. Are you in distress? He will lead you to still waters and make you lie down in green pastures. God will consider your affliction. He will consider your trouble. And many of them you brought on yourselves, at least I have, because of our sins. He forgives our sins. And He loves us. What an awesome God we serve. Good and upright is the Lord. And therefore, He instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble His way. I don't know how many of these we're going to cover, but let's pause for a moment on this one. This one's worthy of of looking at from a Hebrew scripture perspective, okay? He instructs sinners in the way. He, what? That's crazy. He instructs sinners in the way. Hold on, we're going to get this right yet. He instructs sinners in the way. Got it? Now, you remember Hebrew poetry has parallel structures. It doesn't, it's not poetry because it rhymes. It's poetry because it'll say something and then it'll say the same thing or an opposite thing or something in a parallel form to give a nuanced meaning. That's it. So, he instructs sinners in the way and then the next phrase is, he leads the humble in what is right. He leads the humble in what is right. Now, these are parallel. So, sinners in the way, in the way is parallel to what is right, in what is right. What is right is the way. He instructs, goes with, he leads. And what does that leave us in the middle? The sinners are the humble. You want to learn from God? Don't be proud. Say, but wait, I thought the proud people are the sinners. Yes, 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 you're taking it the wrong way. The humble people are the ones who will hear his voice. The proud sinners are the ones who don't need God. They're not going to hear what he has to say. They won't be led in the way that is right. They won't be instructed in the way. They won't be taught the ways of God because they're proud. And they won't hear. 
It is those who have been brought low, those who are humbled in the sight of the Lord, that he lifts up and he instructs and he teaches. So let's go back to the PowerPoint and look at the whole verse. God is good and upright as the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way he leads the humble in what is right. The proud people aren't going to be led by God. He teaches the humble his way. The proud people aren't going to be taught by God. Aaron, our missionary in Dubai, that was one of her points. You get people who are so wealthy that they can buy anything. Why do they need God? Or so they think. Next. I love this one. This is one that you don't get just out of the English. We need a little Hebrew. So you're going to learn a Hebrew word. You ready? Here's the psalm. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. What word stands out over and over in this passage? Remember. Are we worried God is going to forget? I mean, is this a heaven where God's saying, okay, where'd I put my keys? Uh, what, what, what was the name of that gal at Champion Forest Baptist Church again? Uh, she needed something. Uh, I mean, is that the God we've got? No. The Hebrew word remember is the Hebrew word zakar. Okay? Let's go to another. We've got zakar. Say it. Zakar. Um, if Yahweh remembers, it's zakariah. And Zechariah is the prophet who proclaims that God won't forget his people. Zachar is the Hebrew word for remember. But it doesn't mean simply, gee, I forgot or I don't want to forget. We just don't have a good English word to translate it. What Zachar means is to take action because of something. We remember. Not that we had forgotten it, but it's in our mind. Because of something in our mind, we take action. You with me? I mean, when God remembered Noah and caused the floodwaters to recede, that's the Hebrew word zahar. It's not that God had forgotten Noah. Like, holy smoke, remember earth? Oh yeah, man, it's Loaded with water. Didn't we have some guy on an ark down there? We better do something. That's not the import of the story. So if we go back to the PowerPoint, there's a little other picture I want instead, and here it is. God, take action because of your mercy, O oh God. Because of your steadfast love, which have always been there. Take action not 
See, you take action, Lord, because of your mercy. Don't take action because of my sins. Don't let my sins be what drives you to action. Let what drive you to action, Father, be your mercy. According to your steadfast love, remember me. Take action on my behalf for the sake of your goodness. Listen, none of us, none of us want God to take action in our lives because of who we are. All of us want God to take action in our lives because of who He is. Because of His mercy and His His chesed, His steadfast love. we got time for one more. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Me! Me! I want that! Who shall stand in His holy place? Me! I want that! Okay. Here's how you get it. Clean hands. Pure heart. Don't lift up your soul to what's false. Don't swear deceitfully. And let God bless you. And let the righteousness from God be your salvation. This is not a cry for us to be perfect to merit God's love. This is a recognition that you reap what you sow. And if you want to ascend the hill of the Lord and you want to stand in His holy place, then be who He wants you to be. Those are the people. That's my desire. And I hope it's yours as well. We don't get there alone. You can't be who you're supposed to be. You can't have clean hands and you can't have a pure heart if you haven't been forgiven of your sins by the blood of Jesus. You can't live the life that you want to lead, live if, if the Holy Spirit's not sanctifying you and working within your life. But by the grace of God and by His mercy, we can. And that's where we need to be. I could do more, but we're out of time. Let me bless you in the name of Jesus. And next week, um, uh, I look forward to uh, another Sunday. Lord, we do thank you for today. We pray a special prayer of blessing on all of the Hudgens. And, and as you join all of us in grieving, Father, the, the, the removal of Mike from our presence, we honor you as the God who receives him in waiting for all of us to come join when our time on this earth is done. Father, would you be with my friends and my family and my loved ones in this room? Charge them, Lord, with your Holy Spirit to radically transform them so not one year, not one month, not one week, not one day, not one minute goes by, Father, that they're not seeking to be radically transformed by your Spirit. To your glory. Through Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Amen.